Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. This is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Alongside Frankie Stample, I am Greg Sussman. Reggie, what's going on, bud? Reggie, happy Tuesday. Not much going on. Got the Yankee shirt going on. A little Glaber Torres on the back of this shirt. Happy Glaber Day yesterday. Big Yankee comeback. It was an interesting night in baseball, Greg. Only one hour today, abbreviated program. So, for this abbreviated hour, we are joined by the closer, Chris Venture. What's up, Chris? What's up, guys? How you doing? It's your boy, the closer, Chris Venture here. And, uh, yeah, big Yankee win last night. We're in first place. Things are looking good for New York right now. We are in first place. We are not. New York in general, not in a great shape. Daniel Jones is the Giants quarterback. The Jets are disarray. The Mets are jokes, so... Baseball news. Basically, oh, uh, been not the Mets either. Our entire lives, Greg. Even no, I mean the Giants have been there, but like, it's pretty much been the Yankees as the constant, and then just everybody else. Disarray everywhere else. Agreed. That's basically New York sports. Yeah. So why would it change now? It wouldn't, Frank. I mean, yeah, the Giants it. franchise has been, you know, yeah, yeah, they're not bad. They haven't been bad. I mean, they are now, but now they're bad. Yeah. yeah. Very dumb. Very dumb people. <laughs> They, they're all about culture, the Giants, now. Oh, yeah, they got a great culture. That's why they got rid of Landon Collins and Odell, and they all defend each other. Yesterday, check, baby, check. That's a nice little culture right there. Sure is. Check down culture. That's right. Gotta love that. Fantastic. Hype videos of Daniel Jones throwing the ball to the running back. Gotta love that. Mm-hmm. You see the, did you see this picture? I want to show it to you if you haven't seen it yet. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I want to show it to you. This picture is not Photoshopped in any way. Which one's Eli Manning? <laughs> I actually did see that. I assume he's the one in the foreground. Uh, correct. Yes. Yes. Uh, so basically, there's a, face. there's a picture. It's too small for me to show everybody, but like, it's literally just the same guy. It's a joke. Unbelievable. Daniel Jones and, and Eli. Same guy. Same <laughs> guy. No big deal. No big deal. All right. On the program today, a little backpacking. We're going to get your, um, your best pick. Well, best bet ever? Is that what you call it? Best bet ever? Best bet forever, Greg? Is that what it was? Best bet forever? I think so. It was best bet ever. Whatever. We get your best bet forever. A little bit later on in the program, Frank. Uh, we technically made three of three of them yesterday. Your best bets forever. We went three and out. Of course we did. Duh. They were the best bets forever. They were, as advertised. Greg nailed it. Three. Nailed you. We'll, we'll try. We'll try and keep it going again today. Let's see. Frank, see what we can do. Let's see if we can start up a little streak here. When Frank. I looked at it, when I looked at it last night, I was pumped. Yeah, me too. I was really pumped. I was about more it. intrigued by the Twins and Angels game than I should have been, Greg. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. When there was no one scoring. I'm not the great. biggest Jake Odorizzi fan by all accounts. But you were last night. I was last night. Big fan of Jake Odorizzi. So let's start there. 
Let's start with Jake Odorizzi. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah. Fantastic. Because Jake Odorizzi and Frank's Minnesota Twins go into L.A. and defeat the Angels 3-1. to one. Odorizzi, five shutout innings, three hits, two walks. He struck out six. Felix Pena on the other side with five innings, allowed four hits, one run, walked one, struck out three. Once again, he was your... Uh, I forget what the term I heard yesterday for his, what his role is. Is that what his follower? Yeah, right after the opener. What do you have after an opener? You have a follower. Yeah, Cole pitched one and then he pitched five. All right, so I'll go with follower. Pseudo starter? I don't know. We'll go with Whatever the follower. All right, so Pena was your follower. For all intents and purposes, he was your starter. Uh, Taylor Cole uh, was the opener here. Ty Butchery takes the loss. Hansel Robles pitches the ninth. Pitches actually very solid ninth right there. What do you think of Odorizzi's performance? You're right now down to 2.38, Frank. Yeah, I mean, this has been pretty standard Jake Odorizzi. He only had eight swinging strikes yesterday and 90 pitches, but the Los Angeles Angels are a team that does not strike out very much at all. They're actually among the league leaders in terms of strikeout rate and swinging strike rate. So uh, they're just really good in that regard. And now it's been, look at this, two, four, six, eight straight starts that Jake Odorizzi has allowed three earned runs or Four of his last five, I believe, zero runs allowed. That is correct. Yeah, so he's getting it done right now, Greg. There are some underlying numbers here with Jake Odorizzi that are scary. If you can try and turn him into someone else that you trust more long-term, that's probably something that I would look into. He's got a 2.38 ERA. Looking into the rest of the number, uh, his numbers, it's not like he's doing anything vastly different than he has in years past. He's using his curveball a little bit more this year. The velo on his fastball is up a mile and a half. Last year, 91.1 miles per hour. This year, 92.6. But he's got a 2.38 ERA. He's got a 4.59 XFIP, Greggy. I think I would try. Yeah. I think I would try. Just float him out there a little bit and, and see what you could get in return. That's a, I would that, try Ventura. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think this is the ultimate sell-high pitcher right now. The problem is it's Jake Odorizzi, and everybody knows that. If, yeah, I mean... Nobody's going to forget that it's Jake Odorizzi. People who have been playing or you know watching baseball for a long time knows. So yeah. Sure. So but it's very hard to to do that. You would probably you would have to do it for someone who's struggling. Like it would have to be like a classic sell high, uh, sell high buy low situ- situation. Here. Who would you rather have, Jake Odorizzi or Mike Miner? Because Mike Miner last night, my man. Oh, also having six innings of two run ball. He struck out eleven at Seattle Mariners last night. night. Yeah, that was the second double-digit strikeout game of the season. No big deal. What is going on? We got blasts from the past here with Mike Miner and Jake Odorizzi, two of the most relevant starting pitchers in baseball, to be honest. Absolutely. Right? Lowers his ERA to 2.64 now. You have two guys here with sub-three ERAs. Mike Miner yesterday with 19 swinging strikes on 107 pitches going up against the Seattle Mariners. We've talked about how they've come back down to earth. Uh, they got off to a blistering hot start, their offense, and, mm-hmm. and you know, they're all of a sudden like four games under 500. So they've they've come crashing back down to earth, Greg. Uh, but the underlying numbers, they're actually pretty similar to, to Jake Odorizzi, but I think I would go with Mike Miner. These guys are close, and it's a fair question. And if you look at the ballpark, like you'd probably lean with Odorizzi over Mike Miner, who pitches in Texas, which is not... Frankly, just not a good pitching environment. But I trust what I'm seeing from him 
a little bit more than I am Odorizzi. Doesn't walk as many guys as Odorizzi either. The hard hit rate against him isn't as high as well. The underlying numbers are a little bit better. The first pitch strike percentage better as well. So it's close, but I would lean with Mike Miner. And if I could, I'd probably try and dangle both out there. And just Nobody wants Jake Odorizzi or Mike Miner. Let's be realistic. Somebody might buy Odorizzi. Nobody wants these guys. True story in the pit league, I had Mike Miner, and he talked me out of keeping him, so I dropped him. Me? Yeah. You said, it's Mike Miner. What are you doing? Probably not true. It's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, sure like, I definitely evidence. didn't tell you to drop Josh Bell either. So I don't think you did that. Did you do that? I did not tell you to drop Josh Bell. Yeah, I don't think anybody did. No, I, I, I think he just did it quick. probably told you so that he could try and pick him up. No, no, he had a bad first week, so I dropped yeah. him. Mike Miner, like... And that's why you don't do what Greg Sussman does and, and just lose patience on your players after the first week. But you also can't wait too long either. Now Josh Bell's going to win the NL MVP. Am I right, Venture? Probably. What? Either him or, or, or Javi Baez. Stick, he's got hurt. Sticking it. Looking for players that are like in the, the range as Odorizzi and Mike Miner. Mike Miner in my home league is top 12 starting pitcher right yeah. now. Speaking of Texas, Frank, you were tweeting about this last night. Drink. Chris Martin came in for not the save, but to close this game out. They're up four runs. He left three of them in the ninth inning. And did ultimately close this one out. But Jose Leclerc has looked very, very good uh, in his role, both as an opener uh, and in the middle inning. Sean Kelly activated off the IL last night. This could be the end of Chris Martin, the closer. Yeah, I think so. I mean, three earned runs last night gives up another home run to Dan Vogelbach, who we spoke about yesterday, who is officially hot once again. He was hot to start the season, got cold. This is the player that Dan Vogelbach is going to be. But regardless, Chris Martin, this is three straight appearances now where he's allowed to run. He allowed three earned runs yesterday, the ERA all the way up to 4.66. Conversely, Jose Leclerc has gone three straight outings without allowing a run Ventra. So I think it's going to be somebody, whether it's Sean Kelly or Jose Leclerc, they're probably taking this over from Chris Martin. And I would still put my money on it being Jose Leclerc sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. I agree. Martin, you know, obviously falling apart and, you know, really doesn't have the experience. I would... Take a flyer on Kelly, though. You know, I would actually, I'm sure he's very long. Only 5% owned in ESPN leagues. So, because he's been on the IL. You could also stash him until he comes back, which is soon. And then, you know, you have a potential closer here that Leclerc could be, you know, you know all over the board. Like you said, these, clo- these closers are becoming guys that pitch in situations where, you know, they're most needed. So, Kelly could end up getting a lot of saves. And you're getting him for nothing, really. I think you could put a zero one dollar bid or something on him and grab him. Um, but yeah, I agree with you on that. And the other thing, Mike Miner and Odorizzi. Back to that for a second. They're like the same guy in their career too. They're guys that have been around for a while, never really put it together. They had a couple of good glimpses here and there, career, and all of a sudden they're having this kind of breakout late in their career. I do trust Miner a little more, but I, both of them, I think, <laughs> try to sell right now if you can. I, I agree. Both. There's no, there's I know no it's hard to do. It goes back to what you might have to put a like, I don't know together. what you're going to be able to get for them. Like, I'm just looking at my home league points league right now. Like Players who are significantly below them who I'd rather have. I mean, they're all big names. It's Jack Flaherty we always talk about. Zach Wheeler, Carlos Carrasco, Aaron Nola. I mean, if anyone's freaking out about those pitchers, obviously you'd rather have them. Even a David Price who just came back off the IL. Of course he looked would. all right yesterday. So mm-hmm. these are just some of the names. I'll throw them out there. Is like, Can you flip them for that? I Probably highly, not. highly doubt it, but crazier things have happened. What, we had someone say 
Uh, they traded Glass now for Chris Sale, right, or something like that earlier on yeah, in the season. Yeah. So yes, crazy things happen in, in leagues. So you could also package the deal. Yeah, float float some of these guys out there. But I will say this: it's not impossible to kind of have this career renaissance later on in your career. Right. Like look at Jay Hat. When Jay Hat first came up with the Phillies, he was you know took the league by storm. Everyone was so excited by him. You know, he bounced around certain locations, and then the past couple of years with Toronto, you talk about a guy, like, in his mid-30s, randomly starting to take off yep. again. That was Jay Happ, Greg. So I don't think it's impossible that some of these pitchers just unlikely figure things out, but you're right, it, it is probably unlikely. Who do you think gets the next save opportunity for Texas, Greg? I think it's Sean Kelly. I agree with Ventra. I, I think it's Sean Kelly. He pitched, he, yeah, he pitched well before he came off, before he went on the IL for the most part, although the clerks look good. I, I think they like the role that Leclerc's in right now. I don't think they want to mess with it. I think they give it to Sean Kelly. I agree with Chris. Yeah. I, the only reason I'll bring this up is because Florio willingly called himself out for it oh, good. in our text chain. Mm-hmm. So nice. I feel like I can call him out now. I, because, you can call him out for anything. You don't have to. Yeah, yeah. You no, don't well, need his you know, approval to call him out. I don't care. Mad at us, of course. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. But he convinced us to pick up Chris Martin over Steve Ciszek. Yes. I also Ooh, supported it, to be fair. It doesn't look great. I supported it. I'm pretty sure I was on Team C-Sheck. I picked him up in the main you event were. that week as well. You were. So, yeah, I thought he had a little bit more staying power. I mean, there's, there's a lot of mouths there in Texas with LeClerc, and now Sean Kelly is back. And I guess there's a lot in, in Chicago as well. But A, they're going to win more games. Mm-hmm. And B, C-Sheck has done a pretty damn good job. So I think if he continues to do well, well they might just leave him in the closer role for the rest of the season. Yeah, that's kind of like pick your poison, you know? Yeah, and it's then tough. with C-Sheck last night, the Cubs had a save opportunity, but the night before, he went like, what, two and a third innings pitched? So mm-hmm. he was not available last night. And what happens? Brad Brock comes in to, to close the game out for the Cubbies, and he blows it. Yeah. So that just further entrenches Steve Cishek Absolutely, the best reliever in the pen. Right. And the best thing about that for the Cubs, as it really turns out, when Pedro Strope, if Pedro Strope comes back, when, if Brendan Morrow comes back, there's no guarantee that they go into that role. Like Steve Cishek has seemingly run away with it. How many times have we heard this before, Greg, where... Oh, uh, once this reliever is back from injury, he's no doubt going to take the closer role back. And they find someone who's prefer- performing so well in the role. They don't want to mess Why with would it. they change it? And mm. Pedro Strope has a ton of experience as a setup man anyway, so I don't think they're going to mess with this. I agree with that. By the I way, just that. a quick, uh, quick update for you here. Malik Smith had three strikeouts last night, uh, up to 172 the average. Oh, Just letting you know. Oh, so, uh, all right, so him and Jose Ramirez, neck and neck. <laughs> exactly. For, uh, for player of the year. <laughs> there you go. Um, Tim Beckham. Chris is ninth homer of the year. You don't have him anymore, right? You dropped him? Oh, yeah. He's gone. Nine home runs, though. I know. I got yeah. Chavez instead. He was, he he was three for dropped, four. Because mm-hmm. he's starting to lose playing time, too. Yeah. The team just called Shed Long back up as well. Uh, it looks like Ryan Healy might hit the IL. So there's a lot of mouths here with Seattle. And I think as the, the season goes along, they want to see what they have in some of these young players. J.P. Crawford, Shed Long as well. So I don't really have a problem. Plus, Kyle Seeger is going to be back soon, too. And if you play in deeper leagues... I am stashing him in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. I think I picked him up for like three bucks out of a thousand this past week. So if you play in a deeper league, AL only or like a fifteen team mix, and you need a corner infielder, I think now is the time to stash Kyle Seeger. He's gonna be back within, I believe, the next week, Greg. Elvis Andrews also in the same game. We heard he is on a rehab assignment starting today. He went on the IL last week with a hamstring injury. You thought that might have been three to four weeks. It looks like he could be back as soon as this weekend, if not next week, which means good news for those Elvis Andres owners yeah, out there. Absolutely. Yeah, um, he's been one of the sur- sur- surprise shortstops of the season. Certainly. Absolutely th- ridiculous. If Seager comes back, 
Will it be Beckham moving? I don't think I don't see J.P. Crawford holding down the shortstop job. Like well, Beckham might play shortstop. Well, they traded for him, right? So I think that they want to see what they have. Well, in they him. technically traded for Beckham too. Did they or, or did they sign him? No, they traded for him. Mm-hmm. They traded with Baltimore for who? I'll look it up. Hang on. J.P. Crawford is younger. We yes. know that, and he did have. He's not hitting well though. Well, you know, Tim Beckham did have prospect pedigree too, but he. Oh, I'm sorry, you're right. They signed him in January. I apologize. Yeah, so they, they traded for J.P. Crawford, and that was part of that Gene Segura trade. So I think, if anything, they want to see what they have in him. It might be a split, but yeah. I would imagine it's probably J.P. Crawford getting more of the playing time. Yeah, and Beck- Beckham had five RBIs last night. You're right, three for four, big it's day. Good. But, like, can he keep doing it consistently? If he does, he could hold down that job, I think. We're going to take a break. When we come back, the Mets get a much-needed victory over Patrick Corbin. Finally. That was good. We mentioned... One of our bets from yesterday, we're going to get into today's bets, but also the other bet from yesterday, which was Mike Soroka doing Mike Soroka things. We'll mention him and where he falls on the range of your best starting pitchers in the MLB when we return. It's Fantasy Best Friends Forever on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round. We never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 Full-time fantasy Mets need a scapegoat right now. You know, they're playing hardly. You know, again, you can't get swept by the Marlins. So they're getting a lot of attention right now. And what are they going to do? Cano? No. They're not going to make a trade immediately. So they have to do something. That's the thing is when you're struggling and things are not going right. Okay, well, what are you going to do? You got to stir it up. So who's the first person to go? The manager. Weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. The BFFs live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Frankie Stample, the closer, Chris Ventra, hanging out as well. We mentioned yesterday our favorite bets of the day were the Twins and the Under. That was mine and the combo. And then Frankie's was Mike Soroka taking on the San Francisco Giants. And all Soroka did was, once again, be awesome. Eight hits, I'm sorry, eight innings, two hits, 
One run, struck out seven. The only run he allowed came on a Brandon Crawford solo shot in the sixth. Only one other hit other than that. It was a marvelous performance, but because he allowed one run, his ERA actually went up slightly, which is crazy. The ERA now sits at 1.01. Coming on for the save, Sean Newcomb. After Luke Jackson, I believe, pitched the day before. I don't know if that's true. I assume it is. <laughs> but interesting nonetheless. Uh, Newcomb really fell off. Mike Soroka, 5-1, and one, Frank, on the season. Mike Soroka is absolutely phenomenal, man. I tweeted out about this last night. I was not being too hard on myself. I legitimately hated myself in that moment for not having Mike Soroka. Because, I can't believe it. Because I was one of the biggest Soroka yes. guys, even from last year. But I was worried during the spring, and I think that's one of my biggest lessons from the spring, Greggy, is normally I don't like to have injury optimism for guys who are hurt during spring training, but if you look at a lot of the guys who were hurt, they're, they're perfectly fine right now. Lindor. And they're awesome. Lindor has come back and has been great. Tommy Pham has been awesome for the season. Mm-hmm. He was dealing with a shoulder thing. Marcelo Zuna, aside from scaling a wall and then falling off and looking ridiculous, Walker Bueller, awesome for fantasy purposes. Walker Bueller, not as great. Consistent. He's coming around, but Mike Soroka was dealing with the shoulder injury, and all we kept hearing were the Braves have all these possible starting pitchers that could be in their rotation, all these different prospects, and they tried with this guy and they tried with that guy and they tried with that guy. And then the one guy who they tried out who has stuck around the longest, well, there's two. Max Fried has been great, too. But Mike Soroka, man, and I knew how good he can be. His combination of command, he has a four-pitch mix that is legitimate. He gets ground ball outs. He gets a decent amount of strikeouts. He's not ever going to be a guy who's like 10, 11 Ks per nine, but he's up over eight so far this year, and he has allowed one earned run or less in all seven of his starts this season, and he's starting to give you length going deep into games as well. If you look at three of his last four starts, he's gone at least seven innings pitched. Last night, just absolutely masterful, his first start of the season where he didn't allow a single walk. He's just been ridiculous. A mm-hmm. 1.01 ERA. That's impossible to uphold. The, the, strand rate, the strand rate is high. It's 87%, yeah. and he has a 203 Babbitt. Like, he's not going to be able to maintain some of these things. I realize that. He's got a 369 XFIP. I think when it's all said and done, we're probably looking at a low threes ERA. And I've had some people asking me, well, should I sell high on Mike Soroka? No. No. The answer is no. Especially I mean, you, you watch the guy pitch, 93, 94 miles per hour with the fastball. He's got a changeup that's like 12, 13 miles difference. I mean, that's the difference that you're looking for between a fastball and a changeup. And it's a really good changeup. And then he has a slider, Greg, that looks like a curveball. I mean, it's like a power curveball. The guy's got the complete package. The only thing that I would worry about him with him is that he's probably going to be on an innings limit, like similar mm-hmm. to a guy like Chris Paddock. But as much hype as Chris Paddock has gotten, Mike Soroka has been just as good, maybe even better. Well, in a shorter time frame, right? Paddock's well, been pitching longer. It's only been like it was one starter or so more, right? Yeah. It's, like, look at the innings pitch. But. Yeah. Soroka has seven, in, uh, seven starts so far. He's got 44 and two-thirds innings I think pitch. Paddock's got... Okay, I have one second. Paddock... Has pitched 51 innings, one start. One more start than him? ERA stand at right now? ERA sits at 1.93. Well, they're both pretty good. I mean, you're, you're splitting hairs here. <laughs> but Paddock got blown up once, I think, yeah. recently. So it's Dodgers. It was against the Dodgers, yeah. so. Right. Kind of give him a pass. We give him a pass. But if you, these two guys, especially in keepers leagues, you have to hold. And the thing is, obviously, there's going to be some regression for both of them. I mean, both of them under a two ERA. This one, 1.10, that's impossible to sustain. But I would say that both of them will end up 
with even possibly even a high two ERA, not even low threes, maybe even high two. They're that good, both of them. Like dominant with the control, uh, their stuff, everything, like you said. Both of them possibly even, you know, future legitimate aces on major league teams for years to come. Both of them. Maybe Soroka more of a deuce. Because he doesn't have the K upside, like you said. Like a paddock will, I think. But both, I mean, you can't ask for any more from both these guys right now. I got two of them on the same team, which is pretty crazy, but it's not going to... That's fun. It's not going to be good at the end of the season, though. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I got, I got serious FOMO when it comes to Mike Soroka, Grady. He was your boy all the last year, Frankie. He was your guy. I uh, got hurt. Struggle, finally healthy, and obviously performing very, very well for the Atlanta Braves. They did look up when the last time Luke Jackson pitched. It was actually on Saturday. He did not pitch on Sunday, but he threw... Blew a save. He threw 21 pitches and blowing that save on Saturday. It was the second day in a row that he pitched, so getting two days off kind of makes sense. Any worry at all here with Newcomb kind of getting worked in? He's been much better as a reliever since he's come back. Well, I will say this. Sean Newcomb also threw 21 pitches on Saturday. Yeah, I, I, I mean... They don't have to give him as much rest because he's more so stretched out to be a starting pitcher and he could throw a few more innings, throw a few more pitches. So we might see as, you know, these things change when it comes to bullpens. Like from one minute to the next, these things can change so quickly. So Mm -hmm. as much as we love Luke Jackson and we said that he's been pretty good in the opportunities that he's been given. And, you know, I saw like there was a feature article written about him by, I think, who was it, David O'Brien? Is that who well, it was? The, uh, the writer for the Athletic. The Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever. I think Athletic now, but yeah. The Athletic. But yeah, he wrote like a feature about Luke Jackson and how he's their closer. But I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of mix Newcomb in here. Like if there's lefties coming up. Since he's gone to being a, re- a reliever, his fastball velocity has gone up over two miles per hour. That makes sense. So he's normally sitting like 92, 93. Now he's, he's up around 95. So, I mean, you're starting to see the, the velo for Sean Newcomb, and, and he's performing quite well as a reliever, too. Yeah, I'm intrigued by Newcomb. I like Newcomb. I liked him last year. He was pretty good for the most part last year as a starter. He kind of tailed off at the end a little bit. And, you know, every other start, he'd kind of get blown up. or Wouldn't go deep into games. But I didn't expect him going to the bullpen this year. But, listen, if he's in the bullpen, any starter that goes from a starter to the bullpen that was at least halfway decent or above average as a starter is going to be good in the bullpen. It's just easier to go one inning as opposed to five and, you know, completely dominate. And you could actually go all out in that one inning and throw as hard as you can and really dominate for that one inning and focus on that. So I think Newcomb could actually take over the closer role at some point here. Like, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if Luke Jackson starts to falter a little bit, you know. Does wor- it does bear mentioning that we are about 11 days away until Craig Kimbrell is eligible to be signed without draft pick compensation? And, yeah, he can factor into the mix here for Atlanta as well or some other teams. We just spoke about C-Shack. I mean, he could factor into the Chicago Cubs as well. Since returning, Greg, Sean Newcomb on May 6th has made seven appearances, has not allowed a run, has not allowed a walk. Pitching very, very well. huge for Sean Newcomb. Pitching very, very well out of the bullpen uh, for the Atlanta Braves. Frank, why don't you turn around for everybody? Because yesterday... Was Labor Day for the New York Yankees, as it has been seemingly every single time that they have faced the Orioles this season. Glaber has ten home runs, Chris, against uh, overall this season. Do you know how many of those have come against the Orioles? I think I heard you guys say this though. You can reveal so, it to everybody else. Is it eight? 
Eight. Eight out of his ten home runs this season has come against the Orioles. And they actually, before his second home run of the night last night in the eighth inning, yes, in a montage of all the home runs Glaber has hit this year against the Orioles. Next pitch, gone <laughs> off of Michael Givens uh, last night who blew it. Uh, I watched this game. I know I was texting back and forth with you, Frank. The Orioles may be the worst team I've ever seen in my life. Like, I was saying before the season, I think their over-under for wins was 59. Last year, they won 47. I said, how is this number, like, how are people not pounding this under? How are they, like, they're, they're legitimately very, very bad. They teams. may be the worst team I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Like, I understand you. Overall? Have, yes. I understand you have bad hitters. Yeah. And I understand you have bad pitchers. That, that happens. But their inability in the field is like... Ridiculous. Yeah. I will explain. Did you watch the game at all last night, Chris? And just the players it's are pieces, throwing out yeah. there, too, right. Greg. It's like- but, I but, like, I've got to talk about Dwight Smith for a moment, mm. right? Who's hitting great, though. He is. Three for five last night. Dwight Smith was great. But the problem was, <laughs> in left field, Dwight Smith caught a ball that, would, that was the second and third one out, right? Brett Gardner's at third base. That's the kind of speed that's out there. Dwight Smith catches one in left field. What the right play is, you throw it to third because it was a deep fly ball. You were not getting Gardner coming home. Right. Right. Did you see this or no? No. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Dwight Smith catches a ball. Aaron Hicks hits it to left field. The proper baseball play, you throw it to third so the runner can't advance. Or maybe you get him out. Right. Dwight Smith throws it into the dugout. <laughs> he, well, I don't think he was trying to do that. He airmails it. Yeah. He wasn't trying to throw it to third. He was trying to throw it home. He airmails it, huh. and it goes essentially all the way into the dugout, I think. Obviously, Cameron Mays advances the third base. Obviously. That's bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. Extremely Not even trying to hit a cutoff or anything. In the ninth inning, my dude does the same thing. He did it twice. <laughs> same situation. He airmails it again. Runners advanced. Runner didn't score, but runner advanced. I'm like, what are you doing? And then it gets worse. Did you watch the ninth, uh, the ninth inning, Frank? I did not. Okay. Do you know what happens? Other than Gary Sanchez? Uh, no. Michael okay. And Glaber. Oh, my God. That's the only thing I All right. <laughs> that was the eighth inning. So, ninth inning. Yankees tie it up. 7-7. Mm-hmm. There's a runner on third. Two outs. Luke Voigt. 3-2 count to him, right? Michael Givens throws the pitch. Luke Voigt pops it straight up, like straight up, okay? Slams his bat on the ground. Cameron Maven, who's on uh, third base again. Running. Comes, I mean, comes home, right? I mean, it's, it's in foul territory, right? Pedro Severino, the Orioles catcher, throws the mask. You know, it goes like this. It goes like this. And the ball lands over there. <laughs> <laughs> not even. I am not exaggerating at all. It is worth oh, going man. to watch, gentlemen. Is this the real life embodiment of the bad news bears? Legitimately goes like this, and the ball lands over there. <laughs> Next pitch is fouled away. Next pitch, Voight walks. Gary Sanchez comes up, three run bomb. Yankees oh, win. Man. The Yankees. It, they should have been out of the inning. It was a foul pop up right behind home plate. Right, his ball. Easily, no one else's. Ball. No one. Mm-hmm. Goes like this. Waves everybody it, off. Like he has it. <laughs> Lands over there. That's bad. I, I have never seen a worse organization 
than what the Orioles did. Like, with the Yankees, bad fielders. We talked about that. Yeah. But this is embarrassing, man. Yeah. And listen, Luke Voigt had a, a bad pop-up drop early in the game, but this was a joke. I will find it for you, gentlemen, during the break if you can't find it yourselves. Yeah, because there's not an aspect of the Orioles that is good. Is even, at, like, average. It's not, you even, know? it's not even the farm system either. Like, you don't really have much to look forward to either. I understand they have Yuzniel Diaz. He was the big piece that they got back in the Manny Machado trade. But I, I said this last year. I said this during the preseason as well when we were talking about Yuzniel Diaz. I can't believe that the Orioles couldn't get more for Manny Machado than they did. I kind of feel like they got fleeced because the Dodgers have all these prospects. You're telling me you couldn't get Alex Verdugo for Manny Machado? Right. I mean, Manny Machado and is more. a superstar. And more. I understand yeah. it was a rental, but you couldn't get Verdugo? You couldn't get, like, Julio Urias? Somebody? He was still coming off injury at the time. So, even Wait, the farm... Like, they have used Neil Diaz. I like Ryan Mountcastle a lot as well, and I think he's going to be here sooner rather than later. And I like Austin Hayes. So you have some young hitters that you might be able to build around. And I understand you probably more so want to care about offense with a team that plays in Camden Yards and you want to pitching. But they don't really have much pitching to look forward to. Like, maybe these guys develop well, but, like, who was the last great Orioles starting pitcher that they developed, Greg? Probably Mike Bucina, Frank. And no. that was a long time ago. Wait. Oh, no. Eric Bedard was not. There was him. That was them. He was on. He but started he on the Orioles. Gr- I think he, he started on another either, team. Though. He started on the Orioles and got traded to the Mariners. Yes, yeah. that's right. He went to. The he Mariners. wasn't even great either. No, but the, I mean, I mean, he was good for a, a season. Jake Arrieta. They gave he up was on bad on the Orioles. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just better. naming Orioles that. But that's like that's what I'm telling. You. Like they couldn't develop him. Right. It took the Cubs to develop. Well, it was supposed to be right? right. It was supposed to be Dylan Bundy and Kevin Gausman and Chris Tillman. Like those three guys were supposed to lead them into the future. Yeah, yeah, Dylan yeah, Bundy. The Orioles is are just in a weird spot, and I think they're going to continue to, you know, sell some pieces right. off here, like w- whatever you could get for a guy like Johnny VR. Whatever there you, go. you could get for I want your life play life for a, for a Trey Mancini. Wowzers, that was bad. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Continue. Yeah, they don't really have top top prospects either. Like it's just they don't. What did they get from a like? What did they, they got? Get? They got using the LDS. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they got, like, a few other, like, lesser prospects. Maybe these guys can develop, but uh, using the LDS this year at double A, everybody. Hitting 225 with one homer, three doubles, seven ribbies, with a 313 OBP. Yeah, they might have to... Re- 651 OPS in double A, using the LDS. The main piece right. of the Manny Machado trade. They need to, like, revamp their whole scouting... You know, and network. I think they did in the offseason. I'm pretty sure they made huge front office changes. Right, Greg? Didn't they, like... They changed around? everybody, yeah. So they, they have still organizational problems. I mean, they got rid of their manager, obviously. Mm-hmm. They got rid of their general manager or president of baseball operations, who was Dan Duquette. So they brought in a new president, but it comes from the ownership where Peter Angelos never really wanted to spend money, and now his sons are running it, but you don't like, know which son is. And Brady Anderson has a lot of influence there. It's like, ultimately, they ended up choosing to spend on Chris Davis rather than Manny Machado. That was many years ago. That was many years ago, but yes. They, they yeah. ultimately did. Now, Brendan Hyde's there. There's just not enough talent. There's just not enough talent yeah, in this not. Orioles team. And, and Frank, new Bears. It really Frank you mentioned it. There's just, it's not even there's hope at the moment. There isn't hope. But, and we've seen it time and time again. I mean, the Astros were the worst team in baseball by far for years. And then they got the number one pick a couple of years in a row or three years in a row. And 
But now they, there's talent. I mean, this is going to be like a long standing. It's going to be one of those five. It's going to be one of those five year rebuilds. But that, that's the thing, though. The Astros actually had like they did well scouting their prospects. They got good prospects. Yes, they had first picks for many years in a row. But they turned this team completely around. As, but it took it took a while. It did Chris. take like, like four years, right? Something like no, that. No, they were they were really bad. Oh, I remember when they were when pretty, they when they went from the NL to the AL is when was, they were really bad. You know, yeah. basically yeah. once they time. got rid of Berkman, that was like the end of the Astros. Right, that, that was like era. the last time that they era, were good. Yeah. That was like the Pence. end of that era. But the Orioles don't and then even after have that. They were remember they were they used to have right. Jonathan VR. All right, you ready? He was on the Baltimore Orioles. He used to be one of their. Top so it actually it, it actually started even worse than we remember, Chris. So it started when they were in the NL. So yeah. back in 2000 and, uh, 2008, yeah, they went eighty six and seventy five. Finished in third in their division. Right? Mm-hmm. So that was the end of the era. Before, that was the end of the era. Yeah. Before that, it finished fourth. A couple times before that, it finished second. So that was the end of the era. It was 2008. Okay? Yeah. 2009, NL Central, 74 and 88. 2010, 76 and 86. Rock bottom, so we thought, was 2011. Still in the NL, by the way. Yeah. 56 and 106. Mm-hmm. A year later, they're even worse. 55 and 107. Their first year in the AO West, even worse, 51 and 111. I remember that. They were a laughing, they were the laughing stock of baseball for like five years. A year later, 70 and 92. All right, so starting to turn around there. (laughs) And then 2015, they turned it around, went 86 and 76. Uh, That was the year I believe they beat the Yankees uh, in the wild card game. That's a legitimate four year stretch where you're. They were horrible. Yeah. It was, the, the stretch was one, two, three, four, five. Five years before you saw progress. Really right. sick. And that's that's five what, really that's what Baltimore Orioles are looking, are looking at. Maybe worse. Who knows? They don't have prospects. Take a break. We'll be back after this. The Fantasy Sports Network is ready to take you out to the ballgame. Our experts and analysts are following the boys of summer through all 162 games of the 2019 MLB season with the best fantasy baseball analysis in the industry. Catch the latest news and notes every day to help you win your fantasy leagues and your DFS tournaments. We'll always want you back listening and watching the Fantasy Sports Network on the FNTSY radio app and the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, where we're root, root, rooting for your fantasy baseball team. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Game time decisions. Hey, you know what's crazy, actually? A guy last night from Scarborough was watching a Raptor game with. He was talking about like marriage and about how he just got divorced. Sometimes, hard to find a single partner. Game diamond in the rough. Says something in the air. Divorce. Like, yeah, so I don't know. Sounds like maybe we should, like, we have timeshare. Like, uh, we should have, like, a divorce sort of thing. Excellent point. Hey, you want to get out of your timeshare ad? We've got that guy. That ad's the best. Thanks, Dad. Weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Only on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Can't get enough fantasy football? Roto Experts has launched their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, which includes the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package only at rotoexperts.com.
Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Over at FanDuel, the Milwaukee Bucks. Two and a half point favorites tonight, minus 110 on the road in Toronto. I believe Gabe said earlier, the first time the Raptors have been home dogs all season long. Bucks are minus 152 on the money line. Over under total sits at 216. Raptors are at plus 130. Can they get it done at home again? It took a miraculous effort from Toronto the first time. The second time, well, we'll find out. Can they get the job done? Well, put your money where our mouths are at FanDuel.com slash grid. You'll receive a free bet up to 500 bucks. It's a free bet up to $500 when you open a sports wagering account at FanDuel.com slash grid. Call into the show with your winning wager and walk us through your bet. We'd love to hear from you. So go to FanDuel.com slash grid, open your new account, and claim your free wager of up to $500 today. Who do you like in the game, Chris? Milwaukee. I've liked Milwaukee since the beginning. To win, to win, win it all, actually. Yeah, I like Milwaukee tonight as well, Greg. I heard Gabe talking about this. He said uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are 21-1 and coming off a loss this year straight up, and they're 18-4 and wow. against the spread. So that just shows Great you stat. they have a lot of resiliency. Like Once they lose a game, they bounce back. And you kind of saw that in the Celtics series where they got punched in the mouth early on. They lost that first game, won the next four in a row. Mm-hmm. So I think they kind of need another wake-up call here from Toronto, and I think Milwaukee bounces back. Remember, Giannis only scored 12 points in that game, and it, it took double overtime and a Herculean effort from Kawhi Leonard in order to win that game. So Myers Giannis just does anything like what we're used to seeing from him, uh, then they, they, they probably win this. Gentlemen sweep. By the way, my, so my friends, my friends were looking at, during March Madness, I think, or around there, maybe a little after, they were looking at the odds to win the NBA championship, right? And they saw the Bucks at the time was plus 800. And they're like, wait a minute, like the Bucks, like, really good. probably the best team in the East. They had the best record in the NBA. Wait, where did they rank yeah. among all the teams? Was that like the second or third best? I odds? believe it was third, but behind the Warriors and the probably Rockets. because the Warriors were... I don't know what the Rockets... The Warriors were, were probably like minus one. So I believe they were third, but they were plus 800 at the time. And my buddy who's really into basketball. I was like, this, this is a crazy number because the, they had the best record in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And the East is not, they don't have to go through Golden State and Houston to get there. And if they get to the finals, they'll take your shot against Golden State. Right. By the time we put the bet in at the FanDuel Sportsbook, it went down to plus 750. But all my friends basically, I didn't do it. <laughs> I'm an idiot. But <laughs> no, all, you're not because the Bucks are not winning it. Yeah, but my, wait, you can hedge it now. They're not going to. They make it. Screw it. They, they, to them, it's you're like not fun. even going to make money off it if you hedge anyway because Just, you have to put down so much for the Warriors. For the, yeah, for the Warriors. Do remember the Warriors, the Bucks have home court advantage. Just yes. don't forget that. Yeah. But. So with Toronto. Just saying. And I, I hear you. So with Toronto. So they all put like about 100 bucks on it. Each. Yeah. They're like, they can walk away with a nice, a nice winning. Yeah. And Milwaukee can. I mean, they're only two games away from making it to the finals. It so. would, I think it would be a fun series against Golden State. But I don't think they realistically... Do you that. think they need Kevin Durant back to win? No. Eight Gs? They would make each? No. No, no, no. no, no 100 no, to no, win no. 750. They win 750. Oh, so, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, 100 to win 750. Do you have anything for tonight? Baseball? Well, go for, so there's one thing I like that I know... So we, we mentioned this briefly because we were excited about our bets. Uh, there, there's one thing we both like. There's, there's, if I have to choose my own, I will. I'll let you go first. So we were talking about this a little bit downstairs, and the one that really stood out to me this morning, uh, I was on the bus, I was looking through some of the lines for today, and 
The Tigers going up against the Marlins. This game is in Comerica. I really like the total here at 7.5, and, and I realize that it's a low number, but I like the under, Greg. You're looking at two teams that are 29th and 30th in runs scored this year in the Tigers and the Marlins. And Caleb Smith and Spencer Turnbull both have sub-3 ERAs, so... I think we're in for a pitching clinic tonight. So yeah, I also I would take the under there, even though it's a low it? number at seven and a half. Seven and a half. I also, I also like Spencer Turnbull and the Tigers in this game in general. It's completely a toss up. It's a pick 'em game. I don't know though, man. Oh, the ball. Caleb Smith is really good. He is really good, but the bullpens are really bad. Also true. So that's kind of my thought. The other game I like. I know this is weird, but Joe Ranieri was talking about it this morning on Make It Rain. I like the Padres and Matt Strom tonight against the Arizona Diamondbacks and Zach Greinke. Greinke left that last, last start with something kind of wrong with him. And I wonder if he has a little bit of debilitating effects from that, like he's extra cautious, something like along those lines. Padres money lines. So I like the Padres money line. And listen, Vegas is onto this too, over at the, at the FanDuel Sportsbook. They're both sitting at minus 108. So yeah. I'm not against that. But it's one of those things where you kind of look like, that kind of seems weird, given that it's Greinke and Strom. Because of that, I like Matt Strom, and I like the Padres tonight. That's an, that's an interesting Sneaky call. one. Mm-hmm. Not bad. So that's me. You got anything that you like, Venture? I haven't really looked. All right. <laughs> it's fine. But there you go. So our picks tonight, Marlins and Tigers under. Mine is Matt Strom and the Padres against the Dimebacks. I have to give you a second one. I'll take the Tigers in that Marlins game as well. There you go. Those are three tonight. Those are your best bets ever here on the BFFs. Currently three now. Let's see if we keep can keep it going. Out here, Let's see if we can keep it rocking and rolling. Let's go back to last night, gentlemen, for a moment where Carlos Carrasco did not give you the quality start. He went five innings, left seven hits, three runs, striking out four while walking two. Brad Anderson actually outpitched them. Lucervino let up a run, as did Blake Trinan, but he ultimately got his eighth save of the season. By the way, Frank, don't look now. Oh. My man got five outs last night. Four via the strikeout. His ERA sits at 1.69. You know who I'm talking about. That would be... The phenomenal A.J. Cole! All right, well, this is just another weird infatuation that Greg has for a really, really bad Major League Baseball player. Uh, So I'm going to completely ignore what you just said, and I'm going to talk a little bit about Carlos Carrasco and why I think right now is a really good buying opportunity for him. Uh, Before this start, he had... Gone two starts in a row where he went 12 innings, didn't allow a run. Both starts were against the White Sox, and then here against the Oakland A's. Didn't have his best stuff. I was watching a lot of this start. Five innings, three earned runs, 4.30 ERA, which is basically in line with what we normally get from him in the first half. In his career, in the first half, Carlos Carrasco, 4.04 ERA. In the second half, 3.37. He's just a guy that gets better as the season goes along. I owned him last year. That was the case last year as well. And if you look at the underlying numbers for Carrasco, they are all really damn good still. So Nine walks. If anybody in your league is freaking out about Carlos Carrasco. He's got a 4.30 ERA, 362 FIP, 3.25 XFIP, over 11 Ks per nine. If the season ended today, that would be a career high. 1.55 walks per nine. If the season ended today, that would be a career low. Yep. There's lots to like about Carlos Carrasco. If someone's freaking out, buy low now. Buy it. Yep. Buy it. I'm all over that. Totally, totally agree with that uh, as well. There was no love uh, I saw for A.J. Cole. It's a mistake. <laughs> uh, it happens, I guess. Uh, Matt Olson, Frank. 
fourth homer of the year. Matt Chapman, Frank, 11th homer of the season. Yeah, Matt Chapman had been a little bit cold recently. I actually got a few tweets yesterday about Matt Chapman. What's going on, man? Um, he's been cold. I can't necessarily still in two sixty four though. But bounces back yesterday. Multi hit game, two hits, three ribbies. Um, I think this is gonna happen. I, I think he always kind of was overperforming a little bit when he was hitting over 300. Remember, this was a guy who struggled mightily with strikeouts in the minor leagues, and he was more of like a hit-for-low average but hit-for-power kind of guy, like a 230, 240 hitter in the minors that would hit like 30 bombs. So I was never realistically expecting a 300 batting average from him. I still think he'll be better than 264. But Ventura, I think if you drafted Chapman, you still have been pleasantly surprised with what he's given you thus far. Yeah, you're still very happy. I mean, because he started so hot and so good, like you're like, oh, he's getting cold now, and you're upset, obviously. But this is what you uh, this is what you paid for. I mean, you know, you d- you got a kind of a discount on him on draft day, and yeah, he's going to cool off a little bit because he's not going to hit 300. He's not that type of guy. He's giving you 11 homers. He's got 11 doubles, 27 RBIs. He's doing everything you wanted for where you drafted him. So don't panic about you know him cooling off a little bit. Yesterday, two for four with a homer, three RBIs. That's what you want to see. As long as he can keep the cold streaks to a minimum, he'll be fine. Yeah, and looking at the underlying numbers, last year, 338 Babbitt for Matt Chapman led to a 278 batting average. This year, a 265 Babbitt has led to a 264 batting average. And Interesting. It's not like he's hitting a ton of fly balls. Normally, if you see a guy who's hitting a lot of fly balls or hitting a lot of home runs, yeah. uh, that means you're probably going to have a low Babbitt, but... His fly ball rate last year, 39.3%. This year, 40.8%. So that's not really out of whack. And his hard hit rate, still really good. Last year, 43.2%. This year, 408 But still really damn yeah. good. So I would expect both the BABIP and the batting average for, to jump up here. He's uh, lowered his strikeout rate tremendously. Last year, 23.7%. This year, 15.9%. So this is part of the natural progression that right. I was talking about before the season when we did the third base preview that he took huge steps forward last year, and it looks like, from a plate discipline perspective, he's taken even more step forward, more of a step forward this year. I would expect the batting average to get even better. Yeah. Yeah. And not to mention, he's also walked 27 times so far this year as well. Yeah, 11.6% walk rate. That's also up 2% from last year as well. So yep. just making massive improvements at the plate for Matt Chapman. Jose Ramirez is still batting under 200 as we get towards June 197. The average sets for Jose Ramirez at the moment. Even when he has a two-hit game, it's, yeah. it goes up to 197. Crazy. Absolutely ridiculous. He has to go on a crazy task soon. Got to come. Yep. At this point, he's played so much and where it's not impossible because we saw what he did last year to start the season. Like those first two months, first three months, he mm. was ridiculous. Yeah. He was almost, I think he was almost a 30-30 player in the first half last year, Greg. <laughs> how ridiculous he was. So we know what he's capable of when it when it comes to like going on a hot streak, and he still has given you twelve stolen bases. So for all the bad that he's done, not a complete zero. Twelve stolen right. bases is great, but I think overall, if you were expecting a, I drafted him a few places, and I'll, like I'll as soon as I draft someone, like I'll put in projections to see where like my roto standings are at, and I was probably expecting like a two eighty batting average. He's not going to get there. No, unless you see something like crazy miraculous. Even if he goes on a run, like he'll he'll probably get it up to like two fifty, two sixty right. at best. But what you were expecting coming into the season, we are not going to get from Jose right. Ramirez. But you, if he does get to like two sixty or even a little higher than that, that means he had a great second half. Yeah, from You're, here on out, that means he's probably going to hit like. So you don't want to get rid of him. You don't want to sell. The counting him. stats 
by the end of the season are not going to look good because right. 15 RBIs, 17 runs scored, four home runs on May 21st. I mean, he, he would have to do something miraculous. He's capable of he's it. He's capable of it. But based on the way he's struggling with breaking balls again and, and what he showed last year in the second half struggling against breaking balls, I don't really have faith that that's going to happen again. Quickly, guys, moving on. We have about five minutes to go in the program. For the Astros last night, Brad Peacock continued to pitch very, very well. He allowed just two hits over his five innings of work, which is the annoying part because he did throw 91 pitches, despite not walking anybody. Struck out nine batters. Bullpen for Houston was uh, particularly excellent with Ron, uh, Roberto Osuna picking up his 12th save uh, on the other side for the White Sox. Nothing really to speak about. Hasn't Ryan Presley gone like 30 30- is that what it like is? Innings or something like that without Dominating. allowing a run. He's, he's quite good. <laughs> he has a zero, zero ERA in 21 innings this year. Also has two saves uh, whenever they need to give Roberto Asuna a day off. Look, I mean, I drafted him in our saves plus holds league. I, he was one of the top relievers to grab in that format just because he is lights out as a reliever. Uh, Brad Peacock now, since getting blown up on May 2nd against the Twins, Greg, he's gone 17 innings pitched, one earned run in with 24 strikeouts. So Brad Peacock has been very good since getting blown up, something Colin McHugh was not able to do. So at least one of those pitchers, in a similar range, has been able to uh, right the ship. And we said this all along, like he's not going to give you, he's not going to go deep into games. He's not going to give you a lot of quality starts because they kind of limit him to five innings a lot of the time. But for Roto, you'll take it. Yeah, yeah, of course we will. Absolutely. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got nothing else. Tyler White, by the way, finally gets on the board. With his first Thanks, home run of the season. <laughs> May 21st, first home run. Thanks, buddy. Happy you came. Happy you showed up. And the Mets win. I mentioned exactly where I was going. And amazingly, the Mets finally get a With win Wilmer here. Font on the Mets. Against the Nationals. They have no fifth starter at the moment as Wilmer Font did get the start. Uh, the person that they announced was going to start the game early on uh, was Drew Gagnon, who pitched as the follower in this one. Uh, pitch two shutout innings there. For the Mets, Patrick Corbin, they finally get to him. Five innings, six hits, four runs, walk three, struck out seven. Pete Alonso hit a really long home run in the first inning. Ahmed Rosario also hit his, uh, hit his fourth home run in the first inning uh, of this one. Uh, a lot of damage there, of course, against Patrick Corbin here. Uh, for the Nats, Anthony Rendon hit his ninth home run of the year. For Rendon, batting 342 with an OBP of 433. Remember, Anthony Rendon, a free agent after this season. Complete beast. Yeah, we'll see what one happens the best. there. Our MVP, Frank. Our MVP yeah. pick. Look, if he didn't get hurt, he's still hitting 342 with an 1141 <laughs> OPS. I understand he plays in the same uh, league as Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich, so his opportunity for the MVP is probably gone. But because of the counting stats, he still can't be awesome for fantasy, and I expect him to do just that. For Patrick Corbin, look, this was the fourth time already this season that he faced the New York Mets. I would think the more times you face a team, the more it favors the, the batter, hitter, the batter, yeah, it has because to. Yeah, they've Absolutely. seen you so many times, and so. He's been absolutely dominant. His last time out was against the Mets. Eight innings pitched with 11 strikeouts. So I kind of give Patrick Corbin a little bit of a pass, and he's been so good even after this start uh, where he lost four earned runs in five innings. He has a 3.25 ERA. Venture, I, I kind of give him a pass here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's been as advertised. Where you drafted him, you're happy where you got him. He's been exactly as, as he was last year. He's got the K rate up like it was last year, right? Maybe not as high, right? Just But still, above a K per inning. Um, and, you know, consistent as they come. This was, wasn't even that bad of a start. He had seven Ks, so nothing to worry about there. What I am worried about is Victor Robles really cooling off 
lately, 244 batting average and just doing real, not much of anything lately. I know he's got eight homers, eight bags, but are you worried about Victor Robles? At least you got the eight homers and eight bags, so he's yeah. contributing. Right. Yes, he's in a slump. But a young player is slump. I'm not worried because we're getting what you need, which is the mm-hmm. home runs and the steals, that combination. That's why you drafted Victor Robles. Yep. Yeah, I want to see more batting average. I spoke about this a little bit last week that yep. like the underlying numbers for Victor Robles were not great, but you took it because you were still getting eight homers, eight stolen bases, and 30 runs scored. But the hard hit rate is 21%. That's scary. League average is like low 30s percent, uh, percentage, and he's at 21% last year. He was at 35.4%. And uh, the strikeout from last year to this year, 18%. This year, 26.9%. And the walk rate has gone down, too. Like, he doesn't walk at all, numbers yeah. for Victor Robles are just not great right now. So to answer your question, Ventra, I am a little bit worried about him. Mm-hmm. Um, he still has an interesting mix in terms of that power-speed combination. But... I mean, the batting average is coming down in a major way. He's hitting under 230 in the month of May. Yeah, and that's the problem. If You, you can't bat 240 and 230 if you're a guy that doesn't even get on base with the walks much. You're going to get yourself into a lot of zero-point games, you know, as in fantasy for us, and that's not good. He needs to bat for a, high, a much higher average than that, like 280-plus. The good thing for him is they don't really have anyone to replace him with. No, yeah, no. So oh, he'll I get his like shot. His playing yeah. time is fair. Yeah. And speaking of playing time and getting an opportunity— Carter Keyboom. Let's remember the name. 11 for 35 with four homers. Coming back. Sent down, Greg. We for, need Keyboom back. For Chris Venture and Frank Stanfall, I'm Greg Sussman. We'll see you tomorrow. We hope.